0: Welcome to the Preaching and Teaching Ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. As we get started, I want you to imagine with me, most of you, probably not all of you, have lived in Florida for a long enough period of time that you know that from time to time we have to deal with hurricanes, right? Or the threat of hurricanes. Fortunately, we haven't had any for a while. And those of you that may be new to the state, perhaps you've heard about that. And fortunately, living where we do here in the center of the state, when a hurricane does come, we don't have near as much of a threat as many other places in our state, especially on the coast. But if you could imagine with me for just a moment that we live on the coast and a hurricane is coming and it's gaining force and there is no doubt at all that it's going to hit our area and it's going to hit our area hard. In fact, the situation is so bad that we are being to asked and even all the pressure that there is put on us to evacuate. So think about this, you in your home, you in your family, you've got a very short time to leave and to pack in your car those things that you want to take with you. What are the things that you're going to make sure are in your car? Seriously, think about that for a moment. You know, there's gonna be a lot of things probably, but try to think of the top three things that you're going to make sure is in your car when you evacuate because everything else may be gone when you come back. So we're going to have some audience participation here. All right. You got your top three things in your mind? All right. How many of you in your top three things said, oh, I want to make sure that either myself or my spouse or my kids or somebody make sure that they get the leftovers out of the refrigerator? Did anybody have leftovers on your list? Nobody. I hope that's not a statement about how the person who cooks in your house cooks. Of course it isn't. There's things that are more important, right? How many on the top three things on your list said, oh, I'm always somebody very concerned to make sure the trash gets taken out. So before I go, even if I got to take it with me, I want to make sure the trash is taken out. Anybody have that on your list? No. Okay. Why? It's not valuable. Now let me get serious for a minute. How many of you, perhaps at the top of your list, one of those top three things said, I want to make sure that all the money I have in the house goes with us? A couple people had your hands up. How many of you said, you know, I've got some family heirlooms. They've been passed down to my family through years and years and years. I want to make sure that there's a certain thing or certain collection of things. I want those to get in the car. How many of you had that on your list? I see a couple people. How many of you would say, you know what? My photos... I love the photos of my family, and I want to make sure those albums, of course, nowadays it's all digital, but some of us still have photos. How many say, I go out to my photos to get in the vehicle? See several people that say that. How many say, well, I want to make sure my pet gets in the vehicle? Anybody? Yep, that was one of your top three? All right. I mean, there's a lot of other things. How many of you have special jewelry? You want to make sure your jewelry gets it, makes it to the car? See some hands for that. Now, here's a very important question. How many of you had in your top three list? Now, be honest. How many in your top three list is, I want to make sure my spouse gets in the car? Did anybody have that actually on your list? I see somebody who doesn't even have a spouse. What an opportunity taker. None of you had in your top three. Only very few of you had on your top three list. You want to make sure your spouse gets in the car? How many of you in your top three list... Had I want to make sure my kids are in the car. A couple. What about the rest of you? You think this is a great opportunity? How many of you had, I want to make sure my parents are in the car? Just a couple. I know you're laughing. You're like, well, wait a minute. We just assume, we just assume they're going to be in the car. When it's time to pull out, we're all going to be in the car because we're all together. Why do we assume that? It's because our family is valuable to us, right? It's just assumed that if we're in a situation like that, our family is so valuable, I don't even have to put them on the list. They're going to be there. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today is valuing our family. That's not the title of my message, but valuing our family. Because we know, we understand our family is important to us. We understand that our family has value. But I want to ask you a question. How does your family know that you value them? If you're married, how does your spouse know that you value them? If you have children, grandchildren, other family members or close people who live in your house that you value, how do they know that you value them? Do they know that you value them? How do you show them? You know what? This is one of the most important needs that all of us have. I know I do. I mean, psychologists tell us this. Psychiatrists tell us this. We've experienced it. There's so many words that are used to describe it to feel that we're valued, we've already used that word over and over today, to feel that we're loved, that we're respected, that we're honored, that we're esteemed, that we're appreciated. Can I tell you that that's one of the main things that many people, most people live for. That's one of the most motivating and driving factors in our lives. You hear those words, value value. Love, respect, honor, esteem, appreciation. It's things we want. And it's not just things we want, but it's things that we need. We need it. What I want to share with you, all those things, but three words that really come to the top of the list for me is respect, honor, and esteem. Respect, honor, and esteem. You know, this is back to school Sunday. We're preparing for our students to go back to school. We're talking about family. We're talking about home. There's a lot of things that are important. Our young people, we want them to get a good education. You know, we want to support them in that. We need to know we're going to have to help them with that. You know, and all those kind of things. But can I tell you that one of the most important things that we all need, not just our students, but us adults in all of our relationships, is respect and honor and esteem. I want to read to you two passages of Scripture out of a letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And in Romans chapter 10, um, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, that's what I put in my notes, but then I realized I really need to read verse 9 first, okay? But in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. Let your love, the love you have for other people and your family or whoever, whoever let it be genuine, let it be real, don't be fake, let it be sincere. And he goes on to say, abhor what is evil and cling fast to what is good. There's some good advice there. And then in verse 10 he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's a very picturesque way of putting it. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, we've got to answer the question, who are we supposed to show honor to? How do we do it? But think about it. He's, he's almost making it like a competition. Showing honor to other people, at least certain other people, is something we're supposed to do. And it's so important, I encourage you to outdo other people. Okay? I mean, don't just base it on what other people do to you. Don't just base it on, I'm going to do this much but see if you can outdo one another in showing honor to other people. A chapter later in Romans chapter 13, verse 7. Paul says, pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. He says you need to give to people what they are owed, what they are due. You see, in the first passage, he talks about how we show honor and respect to people because we love them and we go out of our way to really make that a significant thing that we do. But in this passage, he says there are some people that we need to give honor and respect to because it's owed to them. Now we'll talk about why it might be owed to someone a little bit later, but he says, make sure you give respect to people that deserve respect, that owe, that you owe respect to. And make sure you give honor to those that honor is owed to. Now, these instructions are basically general instructions on how we live life and have good relationships. Relationships in the workplace, relationships in the world, wherever it might, be, we might go. Relationships at school. But if this is how we're supposed to relate to one another in general, how much more should we relate to one another in our families? You know, most people would not withhold the basic needs from their families. Most parents, guardians, whatever, you would not tell those under your care, you can't sleep in the house. Go sleep in the backyard. You're going to give them shelter. You're not going to tell them, no, I'm not going to give you any food. No, I'm not going to provide clothing. You know, whatever those basic needs are, we would be very quick and very diligent to make sure our families have the basic needs. But you know what? Sometimes we let this emotional need go unmet. This need for respect, honor, and esteem. What does this mean? I looked it up in the dictionary. Respect means high or special regard, esteem. Or honor. It's interesting because the definition for respect actually uses the words for esteem and honor. And then you go to honor, it says high respect or esteem to ascribe value to. So even the definition for honor uses the other two words, respect and esteem. And then esteem means to set a high value on, to cherish, to give high regard. So who are we supposed to respect, honor, and esteem? There's some other categories the Bible talks about and we have in there, out there in the world. You know, as far as the Bible's concerned, we need to have respect, honor, and esteem for God. He talks about how we should have this attitude toward those who rule over us, governing authorities, and those who are tasked with enforcing those things. He says that we should have this attitude toward leaders, spiritual leaders. He says we should have respect, honor, and esteem for the elderly. I Maybe mean, you want to say amen to that one? Some of you say, I don't want to say it because I don't want to be considered elderly. I've said many times, we don't have old people in our church. We just have people that are getting older. But the Bible says we should have respect for the elderly. It also says we should have respect for employers. And, and that employers should have respect for employees. And for one another in the church. But what we're focusing on today is the family. Now, I know that every family is different. Traditionally, and there are so many non-traditional families today, and that's fine. But traditionally, you've got a husband and a wife and kids. Sometimes you have a family where some of those are missing or different, whatever. But the Bible talks about that. God talks about that. God talks about how he wants our basic needs met and he often does that through each other and he does that in our family. He says very specifically that husbands should show respect for their wives. I'm surprised I didn't get any amens to that one. In first Peter chapter three, verse seven, Peter writes and says, likewise husbands Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, before you all get up in arms, all that is saying that in most cases, you got a husband and a wife. The wife is not as physically strong as the husband is. Now, I've seen it's just the opposite, but I'm just saying that's all he's saying. He's not saying you're weaker emotionally, weaker mentally, or anything like that. That's not even beginning to be in God's word. Okay. But showing honor to the woman since they're heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. In fact, God says here, husbands, if you don't honor and respect and esteem your wives properly, God may not even listen to your prayers. You may pray about and say, God, forget it. You're not treating your wife right. Heard a story one time about these two guys that were playing golf. Say, what's that got to do with husbands and wives? It'll come clear. Two guys are playing golf, and this golf course is right next to a cemetery. And so they've done their drives. They're up on the green, and they're getting ready to putt the ball into the cup. And uh, as they're getting ready to do that, the guy's getting ready to putt it. He looks up, and here comes a funeral procession down the road, getting ready to go into the cemetery. And he stops what he's doing. He stands very nicely. He takes his hat off. He bows his head until the hearse and all the cars go into the cemetery. They find their way to where the, 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 the ceremony is going to be, whatever. And then they stop. And so anyway, he he gets back up and he starts going back to his putt. And, and the guy he's playing golf with, he says, Man, I am really impressed by your respect for someone who had passed away. And the guy said, Well, I really feel it's the least I could do after being married to her for 34 years. Some of you may not get got that. Think about it. Okay, so. Respect. Unfortunately, in our culture, women are not always treated with respect. There's been many ways throughout history that they've been held back, and I'm glad that that has been getting better over the last decades, and it still continues to get better. There are many ways in which women have been abused and used especially as objects of sexual desire. They've been taken advantage of. Can I tell you that the women in our life, and especially if we're married and we have a wife, they need to know that we respect them. We honor them and we esteem them. But it goes the other way too. It's not just the husbands to the wife, but the wife to the husband. Paul writes a lot about families in Ephesians 5 and 6 and in Ephesians 6:30 uh, I'm sorry Ephesians 5:33 he says he's talking to husbands He says however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband that she respects her husband I think it's very unfortunate that in a lot of TV shows and other venues where men are portrayed that husbands and men are be, are often portrayed as weak, um, wishy-washy, non-powerful human beings who don't get involved, who don't get involved in life, who don't get involved in family, or when they do, they do it in some kind of aggressive, abusive way. I'll be honest with you. I don't just don't think there's very many Good portrayals of good men in the media, and that's very sad. But it says here that wives should respect their husbands. We see that in the relationship between children and parents. One of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. One of the Ten Commandments, God says, you need to treat your Parents with honor and respect. And God actually has a special blessing for those that do. In fact, later on, some teachings, especially Paul quotes that in Ephesians chapter 6 and says basically the same thing that 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 children you need to honor. And it's not just children, but young people. And those of us as adults, as our parents are still old, still alive, we still need to honor and respect them and esteem them and let them know that. But Paul says that that's the only one of the Ten Commandments that God gives extra blessings to. If you do that, he's going to bless you extra. But then we also see that there needs to be that kind of attitude between parents to children. Now, it's not so much in that words, those words. You don't find a scripture that says parents respect your kids. Parents esteem your kids. Parents value your kids. But there's so much other things in scripture that indicate that. There's a number of scriptures that talk about how children are blessings to their parents. The parents should value them. But in the specific instructions that Paul gives to parents in Ephesians 6, 4, he says fathers, and he points out fathers because in their day and age, fathers are the head of the home. They're the ones that are in charge. Everybody else follows their lead. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul's not saying there parents don't ever do anything that's going to make your kids mad. Because you know what? If you're going to be a good parent, good grandparent, good guardian, you're going to have to take some stands. You're going to have to set some guidelines and some rules and say this is the way we live in our home. And you're going to have to enforce them. And in that process, our students, our young people are going to get upset because there's something in all of us, not just our students, that wants to push against the boundaries, to exert our independence, that kind of thing. If that's not what Paul's saying then what is he saying? He's saying don't do it unnecessarily. Don't be don't be harsh. Don't be don't be you know just ah. If you got to set boundaries, if you got to set rules, you got to do it. But do it with love, do it with respect. Do it with value, do it with esteem, do it with honor. I like what the New Living Translation says, don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. as if they're going to get upset, let it be because you're taking a stand, not because of the way you're treating them. Don't act unreasonably. Can I tell you that much of the conflict and the unhappiness that we have in our homes when it is present is due to a lack of respect and honor and esteem. But as we think about it, why is it that people do that? Why is it that we might withhold? Why do we withhold respect? Or expressions of express, of respect. What is Why is it that we withhold expressing honor and esteem to those around us? Sometimes it's because we've just decided to treat other people the way we've been treated. And, and it's really sad when that may be true in a home. Where young people don't show honor and respect to their parents because they feel like they've never been shown it. Or vice versa. Or, or a husband never shows respect and honor to their wife because she never shows it to me or vice versa. That's very sad when that happens. But can I ask you a very important question? If we get into one of those cycles of I'm not going to show them respect because they don't show me respect and the other person, well, I'm not going to show them respect because they don't show Who's going to break the cycle? How's it going to end? Chances are, if two people are very, very stubborn, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse between husband and wife and parents and kids. And unfortunately, that's what happens a lot of times and why so many of our homes may be in chaos. Because nobody wants to break the cycle. Nobody wants to say this isn't right. I'm going to do something different. There's that thought that hurting people hurt people. And there's some truth to that. Sometimes hurting people hurt people because they're just mean. They've got a real problem on the inside. But there are times that when you examine, if you knew all the facts of the person who is so hurtful to other people and you see the way they were raised or the things that they went through over the last 10 years or whatever, it's like, oh my goodness, they're actually doing pretty good considering. Sometimes we don't show respect, honor, and honesty because of Pride. This may be true more for men than it would be for others, but it can be true for any of us. Well, I'm a man. I don't get emotional. I don't show emotions. I told my wife I loved her when I married her. If I change my mind, I'll let her know. Why should I have to tell her again? Sometimes there's a lot of pride. Sometimes it's insecurity. You know, there can be any number of reasons why. Sometimes people do just the opposite. They put other people down because they feel like if they put people down, it somehow lifts them up. And that's not really successful either. And what happens when we do that? It it leads to so much hurt and pain. It leads to abuse. It leads to people wanting to respond the same way. Like I said, that, that vicious cycle, it leads to rebellion. It leads to insensitivity and anger and arguments and so many other things. The lack of respect and esteem talking about outside the family is what leads to a lot of the problems we see in our culture with all the racial stuff and all that kind of stuff because people are not treated right. It's a terrible thing. So how do we change it? How do we change it? Now, today we're talking primarily about families. How do we show respect and honor and esteem? Can I tell you that we need to just make a decision that we're going to determine before God and with his help that I'm going to do the right thing, whether anybody else in my family or the people around me do it or not. I'm going to start the process. I'm going to break the negative cycle. I'm going to show respect and honor and esteem to the other members of my family. I'm going to show them that I value them. Can I challenge you? If you're caught up in a negative cycle, and you're waiting for the other person to take the first step, stop waiting. Decide, I'm going to be the one. And it'd be so easy to say, and maybe even truthfully so, but they're the ones that started it. But they're worse than I am. Just determine, you know what? I'm just tired of it being this way. And, And I'm not trying to say this like every family's a mess. You know, your family may be doing really good in this area, but I can tell you something, we can all do better. I'll just tell you that, you know, it's just at, at our age and everything, it's just me and my wife in our home. And I think we do a pretty good job of valuing each other and letting each other know that we value. I mean, I I I I, I think I do a pretty good job. And you can feel free to check up on me, okay? Ask Pastor Jan. Do you think Pastor Tim values you and respects you and esteems you? And does he let you know that? Okay. I think I do okay. I know she does a great job expressing that to me. But can I tell you, I know I still have room for improvement because you could ask her the same question. Do you think he could improve and do it a little bit better if she's going to be honest with you? She may not say much because she wants to protect me and stuff, but she, could, she would be very honest to say, yeah, he could definitely improve in some areas. I wouldn't be surprised if there's certain specific areas. So, you might be sitting here saying, well, you know, this is some good stuff, but my house isn't a mess. My home's not a mess. We do pretty good. Well, can I just challenge you? Let's just step it up. Let's just, let's just do the best we can. Let's make it better. So how do we do this? Paul gives some really good advice in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition. In other words, don't do anything just because you're out to get what you can get for yourself. Don't do anything because it's just always about you. Don't do anything based on just what's best only for you. I don't care about anybody else. Do nothing from selfless ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others. Some translations say esteem others more significant than yourselves. In other words, that's saying, you know what? I think I'm pretty important. You know, if I don't, if I don't feel that way, I got a self-esteem issue. But you know what? I'm going to care more about other people than I'm going to care about myself. I've got my needs. I got my desires. They're important to me. But I'm going to look out for the people around me. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, there's nothing wrong with being concerned that your own needs are met and that you have some of your own desires fulfilled, but that's not what you live for. You live for the people around you. It goes against our sinful human nature. But that's what he challenges us to do. So let me just give you a couple of practical things here. Number one, show respect, honor, and esteem with your words. You know, that's usually where it starts. The words that come out. How many of you have a problem like I do sometimes of saying things before you really think about it? I think we all do, right? Can I tell you, it's usually almost always not very wise to say the first thing that comes to mind when you're upset. That's why there's that old thing of when you get angry, count to 10. There's some pretty good wisdom there. Sometimes we might need to count to a 100,000. I don't know. Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Corrupting talk. What is corrupting talk? We could put all kinds of definitions to that. Somebody say, well, that means you shouldn't cuss. That means you shouldn't, you know, whatever. But the word corrupting, what does that mean? That means something that gets into something and it tears it down. It causes it to disintegrate. It causes it to, to dissolve. He says, when you're talking, do your best to make sure that whatever comes out of your mouth is not something like acid that's going to cause things to, d- to dissolve, that's going to cause things to disintegrate, that's going to cause things to fall apart. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Two sides, I already mentioned that. Eliminate the negative as much as possible. Eliminate the negative as much as possible. And I want to challenge those of you that are in a family, in a home, you have a number of family members that live together, even if it's just husband and wife, parent and child, parent and children, parents and children. Sit down and talk about this and say, hey, we want to have the best home we can. And what affects that and the peace of our home and our relationships has a lot to do with what we say. So you know what? There's certain things that we should not say. And let your kids and everybody else get involved say, what are certain things that we should not say to each other? What are certain ways in which we talk that we should not talk to each other? What are ways that when someone talks to you, it really hurts you and it causes problems that you really wish that somebody would not talk to you that way? And I think you can come with some pretty good. Witness. I know that when our girls were at home, we had some rules in our house. We we struggle sometimes to keep them and all that kind of stuff. But in our house, we didn't allow anybody to call anybody else names. We did not allow anybody in our house to put somebody else down. That was just a rule of the house. And when somebody did it, we dealt with it. In fact, we had a rule that as best we can, we don't want to disrespect anybody. And when we felt like somebody was disrespecting somebody else, we dealt with it as best we can. And can I tell you that those of us adults that are in the homes, we got to really be careful with this. Because since we're the adults, it's so easy for us to demand That our children, our grandchildren, those under our authority do not disrespect us while we're turning around and doing it to them. And if they bring it up, we just get upset and say, well, I'm the parent. So I challenge you adults. Live out what you expect or what you desire from those in your home and under your authority. So you eliminate the negative as much as possible. Can I just say, sometimes we do have to say negative things. You know, we have to correct, we have to discipline, we have to say, hey, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is not right. That's why I think that Paul says here, no corrupting talk, but only such as is good for building up fits the occasion that may give grace. That sometimes negative things you say, the end result is so that you can build up, so you can take care of a problem, all right? So it can eventually bring grace, so it can actually be good. And so eliminate the negative as much as possible, but accentuate the positive, Now, I'm not telling you you should brag on your students about things that aren't true. Be honest. Don't tell your kids they're doing fantastic when they're not. Don't tell your parents the same thing. But find those things that you can honestly say that are positive. Psychologists psychiatrists tell us that when we have a positive influences coming into our lives and negative influences, it takes so many more positive influences to overcome just one negative. we got all these words coming into our lives from people we care about. It takes so many positive inputs to help deal with the negative ones. So look for the positive. Notice the good things. I want to ask you to raise your hands, but think how many of you grew up in homes where it seemed like the only time your parent, your teacher, your boss, whatever, noticed anything was when you did something wrong. And the only time they mentioned it was when you did something wrong, but they never seemed to notice or if they did, they never said anything when you did something right. How painful that is. Let's not do that to each other. Let's look for the positive. And without becoming that unbearable grandparent, share the good things about your kids and grandkids with the people around you in front of them. How valuable is that? When they're there, right there and say, you know, this is my grandson. I am so proud of him. He's on the football team. He did really good in school. He's pursuing, pursuing this dream. I'm so proud of him. Now, I said, don't be that unbearable grandparent. You all know who I'm talking about, right? These grandparents that can't stop talking about their grandkids. It's like, okay, I've heard it. Okay, so you've got to have a balance there. So show respect, honor, and esteem with your words, but show respect, honor, and esteem with your actions. With your actions. You know, you can say things all the time, but if you don't demonstrate it in your actions, what really value does that have? And what shows value to the people in your life? Well, that's different things for different people. You know, there's a book that was written a number of years ago. Uh, the Love Languages, Five Love Languages. And, and it basically just talks about that people feel loved in different ways. Some people feel loved when you buy them things. Some people feel loved when you use the right words. Some people feel loved when you do something to help them. Can I tell you, take the time to learn what it is that makes the other people of value in your life feel valued. And then do those things. But can I tell you one of the most significant ones, especially with children and with young people, and it's true for adults too, is to take time with them. There are too many times we think that we can buy them something and that if we don't spend time with them, they're still going to know that I love them and care about them and value them. Can I tell you, in my mind, there's even doubt that if you don't ever spend time with somebody, all you do is try to buy their whatever it really makes me wonder if you really do value them anyway. And I know time can be a problem. It's got to it's come from somewhere, but we've got to find some way, some way to spend time with those that we love and that we value. Do things to help them. Do special things. Uh, I, I, this is an area, if you if you ask my wife, another area that I could improve in, and, and it's really a sad because I already know it's true. Is my wife loves surprises, and I don't surprise her near enough. I mean, not in any positive way. Hopefully not too much in the negative way. Used to be say, write them a letter. Some of you are like, what is a letter? Send an email. Send a text. My wife's got this thing she does. She has a ministry to pastor's wives and hurting women. And she follows the leading of the Lord. And not just hurting women, but just women in general. You know, because if this applies to you, I don't want you to think she thinks I'm hurting. No. When God leads her, she'll record a voice text and a voice prayer, praying for that individual, and then send it as a text to them. And she's gotten so many, so much feedback from women saying, you don't know how much I needed that right at that moment. She got one the other day that she had sent to somebody she had no contact with for a long time. And that person got back to him and says, you don't even know what I was going through at that moment. And I prayed, God, does anybody really care? And I got that voice text of you saying how much you love me and you care about me and you're praying for me and you prayed for me. That's just a simple little example of finding a way Let's do that in our families. If you struggle with this a little bit, just meditate on what Jesus said in Matthew 17. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Now, that doesn't mean that if you'd be really happy if your wife went out and bought you a new car, that you should go out and buy the new car you wish she would buy for you so you can drive it. No, that's not what that's talking about. Just in the same way that you would like people in your family to show you that they love you and value, have that same desire and make that same effort to do the same for them. Now, that raises a big question. What if they aren't worthy of respect? That's that's very valid. That's very valid. You know, we mentioned earlier when I read the two scriptures at the beginning that there's two reasons to give somebody respect. One of them is because they're owed it. In other words, they are supposed to be respected because of their position. All right. In Romans it says, give respect to whoever you owe respect. A really good example of this would be a judge in a courtroom. When you go into a courtroom with whatever role you play in that courtroom, as a lawyer, as a defendant, as a prosecutor, as a person on the jury, as a person who's just a spectator, you have to respect that judge. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what kind of a person he or she is. They can be an immoral person, they can be an unethical person, they can be a mean person, they can be a great person. It doesn't matter in that courtroom because of their position as a judge, you must show them respect. And sometimes we're called to do the hard thing and treat people with respect even if they don't deserve it because it's what we're called to do. It doesn't mean you have to trust that person. It doesn't mean you have to make yourself vulnerable to them. It just means you have to treat them in a respectful way. And it's really sad when that may be true in the family. But it's still true. God tells us through Peter and Paul, husbands, respect your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Parents, respect your children. Children, respect your parents. Even if you feel you have an honest case to say, but they don't deserve it still, to the best of your ability, treat them with respect. We see a great story in the Old Testament about David before he became king. God had told him he was going to be king, but the current king, Saul, spends 20 years trying to kill him. But David still treats him with respect while he's running for his life. But can I tell you the best thing is to be respected because... Of the love that we have for each other. Strive to be that kind of person. Strive to have that kind of relationship. That you don't have to respect someone because it's expected. That you don't have to respect someone because it's required. You don't have to respect someone because of their position. But because of the relationship you have. So as we wrap this up. Let me just challenge you with a couple of things. Number one. Give respect. Give respect in your words, in your actions. And as I've spoken to you, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you say, I don't know that ever God ever speaks to me, but maybe you've had something inside that says, you know what, I need to do this. Maybe it's a person's name that God gave to you, somebody in your family. And even though we're talking about family, maybe it's somebody at work or a friend at school or somebody who's not a friend at school, but somebody's name came to your mind about, you know what? I don't really treat them with respect. I don't show them respect, but I really should, whether they deserve it or not. and, And you know that. And so that, you know, that's what you need to work on. But the second part of it is how should I do that? Maybe there are people in your family in particular, because we're talking about that, that you do love and you do value and you do respect and God's speaking to your heart, say, but you don't really let them know like you should or you could do better. That'd be how you'd apply it today. But can I flip the coin to the other side? Don't just show respect, but be worthy of respect. You know, we've been talking about you showing respect to other people, but you need to ask yourself a very serious question. Am I somebody that's worthy of respect? Do I give my spouse good reason to respect me and esteem me by the way that I treat him or her? Do I give my children, my grandchildren, those under my authority, a reason, a good reason to respect me and esteem me? Or is it hard for them because of the way I treat them? Be worthy of respect. And not just because you're the one that's in charge. I talked about that position. Yeah, maybe you deserve to be treated with respect because you are the one in charge. You are the father. You are the mother. You are the whatever. No, strive to be the one who people in your family and everybody else respects you because of your character, because of your influence, because of the way you treat them. And let me just throw this out there. Those of you that are single and you hope not to stay that way, don't date or marry somebody you can't respect and who doesn't respect you. And if you're out there in the dating realm and you are planning to be, make sure that you're a person that can be respected. There's a lot of benefits. We'll be pleasing God because we've been doing what he's asked us to do, but can I tell you that if we can catch hold of this and 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 have everybody in our home really seeking to do this, we'll have a healthier, happier home. Our relationships will be better, they'll be stronger. They're never going to be perfect. Not only that, but we'll feel loved, secure, appreciated. Starts a really, really good cycle going. So I challenge you with the words of Paul. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The last thing I want to share with you is to switch gears just a little bit. And that is I want to tell you, each and every one of you, and I haven't said much about you, but all of you that are watching online or watching the recording later, that God values you. God values you. God values you. That's why he sent Jesus. One of the most famous and well-known verses in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I believe that means not just the world in general and the world as a whole, but each and every person in the world. You can put your own name in there. For God so loved Tim. For God so loved put your name in there. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The basic gospel, what's called the gospel or good news message is this. It starts with bad news. We're all sinners. We all Break God's rules, commandments, principles, whatever you want to look at. And some people say, well, that's okay. I don't care. I don't care about God's rules. Who gave him the authority anyway? Well, he is God. But can I tell you that God has his rules and his laws and his, his instructions because he loves us. He wants what's best for us. He, you know, he wasn't up in heaven looking down and saying, oh, those people are having way too much fun. Let's ruin it for them. He was looking down on earth and saying, man, those people's lives are a mess because of sin. Let's give them some instructions to help them get back on the right path so they can have a good life. But we're all born with this sinful human nature and we're drawn to and sometimes driven to do things that are destructive. They may seem fun at first, but they're going to cause destruction. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's what we earn because we give ourselves over to doing what's wrong and it's death. And it's not just physical death, but spiritual death, which means separation from God. But God doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. So that verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, just to make it real clear and real succinct in a nutshell, that's why Jesus came. Not just to be a good teacher, a good example, good influence, but he came to die on the cross. He lived a perfect life. He was God, still is God in the flesh. Lived the perfect life that we cannot live. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says that that was to pay the price for our sins so we can have forgiveness and be right with God if we put our trust in that and it's very simple just coming to God recognizing that and admitting that and asking God to forgive us and to put our trust in that now I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning if that's something you would like to do can we just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment And as we're getting ready to just wrap this all up and go into a time of fun outside, let me just ask, are you here today? Or maybe you're watching online. I won't see your response, but God will. And you'd say, you know what? I need God in my life. I need a savior. I need and I want my sins forgiven and I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up? Because I want to pray with you and pray for you. Would never want to do anything to embarrass you, although it's nothing to be embarrassed about. We've all been there. Those of us that have made that step, those of us that have stepped over the line, turned over control. But you'd say, "That's me. I need a savior today." Would you just slip your hand up and then back down again? All right. Well, I don't see any particular responses. Obviously, I can't see those that are online. But could you all just join me in a prayer? Would you just repeat after me? And if that is you, as you pray this prayer, not because I'm leading you in it or because you're saying certain words, but because you mean it in your heart, it'll make a difference in your life. So could you repeat after me? Dear God, I come to you today and I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I pray that you would forgive me Not because I deserve it. Not because I can earn it by doing good things. But because your word says. That's why Jesus came and died. That he died for me. That he died to pay the price for my sins. So please forgive me because of that. And Father now help me to live for you. And I thank you that your word says. That if I confess my sins to you. Put my trust in you that you will forgive me and you will help me to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer today, whether you're here or watching online, please contact me. I would love to help you know how you can begin to live that life out. Because if you really meant that, it means a changed life. The Bible says that God changes our life. And we begin to live a life dedicated and committed to him Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.